I'm Pastor Wheezy. I'm one of the associate pastors here. Kind of short-sighted, so I've got to crank this all the way up here. Um, so we are in the middle of a series talking about our identity in Christ. And that made me think about how do we describe human beings in relationship to God? What is the human identity as people think about it? And ever since the Enlightenment, a lot of times, especially here in America and, and Europe, we tend to think of human beings as independent equals with God, able to look at God and say, does God really kind of measure up to my standards? Do I believe in him? Is he good enough to be believed in or not? You know, pick and choose, kind of go up to God and say, okay, well, I like your hair, but I don't, you know, you need to dress differently. And there's that, that equal, independent relationship. Another way people tend to look at human relationship to God is that people are things or tools of God. That God thinks of us pretty much the way we think of our car. You know, something to use, like it, don't like it, change it, trash it, you know, whatever. Uh, Or some people even think of us as kind of an experiment that God is running. Will we turn out the way God wants or not? You know, because when you're doing an experiment, you don't know what the result's going to be. That's another way people might look at our relationship with God. One way that I sometimes fall into looking at my relationship with God is be as if I was a pet of God. You know, (laughs) stupid, troublesome, fun to be around, (laughs) short-lived, get another one. You know, don't expect to know what's going on. (laughs) But as long as the food is there and the cat box is clean, I'm good, you know. But that's not a whole relationship of a person to God. Uh, Another really seductive way that people tend to think of our relationship with God is that we are his employees. And, you know, we can expect to get paid at the end of the day, but basically we need to toe the line and get the job done. And if we don't, We could get the pink slip, or worse. Uh, But no matter what, we tend to kind of think of ourselves as adults of God. I mean, most of us are pushing 50 from the north pretty hard, you know. (laughs) You know, we're adults. We, We can... All right, okay. But that's not the way God describes us. In God's eyes, we are a child of God. We are helpless and vulnerable, and our only hope is to trust that God is good and obey his instructions. Because if he ain't good, it ain't good, folks. <laughs> and, and really, I know those of you who are familiar with my preaching know that when I say that people are chimps with clothes on, that's, that's kind of that package. You know, we are beings of flesh, and, you know, we have some smarts and some creativity and some ingenuity and some stuff. But basically, we're, we're chimps with clothes on. <laughs> and even though the family I grew up in was a good family, and my parents did a reasonably good job, they're still chimps with clothes on, you know? I mean, my mom had no boundaries, and my dad had a 20-foot wall, And even though they tried hard and did a decent job and we were an okay family, 
um, I have lots of issues. I have holes. I have lacks. I've never tried to raise anybody, but I guarantee you if I had, they would be kind of messed up. <laughs> you know, I, I think they'd be okay, but they wouldn't be that good. And I can't blame any of that on my parents because they had parents too. And so did they. And they were all chimps with clothes on. So it's kind of hard for us to think about being God's children because the only history we have with being a child is the history that we have with being a child. And it can be kind of hard to trust because even good parents fail a lot. And frankly, some of us, you know, some parents aren't really trying all that hard. Or they would try if they could, but their brains don't work, or they're messed up on addictions, or they're in the military, they're gone, or they're, you know, whatever. There's a lot of reasons to not trust the experience of being a child. It can be pretty scary. And one thing that we learned as children is there's nothing you can do about it. You just got to figure out how to survive in your situation and, and do that. So when I say that God is the parent that we've always longed for, we still have to grow into the ability to trust God as a parent, to trust that his way of parenting us is not only way, way, way better, but way different from everything we've ever known. Trust can only grow over time. You can't just flip a switch and it's on. You can flip the switch, but trust is on a rheostat, you know? You have to live with it. You have to let it grow. And the only way to learn to trust God is to obey him and see what happens. And sometimes what happens isn't what we expected, you know? And so our trust is kind of like, really? We, we tend to think, especially here in America, when we work so hard to try to make our ideals, at least, be that everybody is equal, we tend to think that everybody is a child of God. But that's not quite the way the Bible talks about our relationship with God. The Bible is extremely clear that everybody is created by God. And everybody is deeply, deeply loved by God. And everybody is welcome in God's arms, in God's home. But you're only really a child of God if you're adopted by God. That relationship has to happen. And that's kind of goes against our grain. It doesn't seem fair. And it isn't fair. It's wonderfully redemptive. We're going to unpack that a little bit. But imagine, you know, since I tend to talk about myself as somebody that I'm, I'm God's pet, but imagine, if you will, if I were living in a back alley covered with fleas and full of parasites and living on garbage and fighting for my life and, you know, I'm, I'm a feral whatever. Let's pick cats because we all know I'm a cat person, but could be a chimp, <laughs> you know, but now suddenly something happens and I become rescued. Suddenly I'm no longer just a stray cat, I'm now a member of a family. It's not just that my situation has changed, 
I've changed. Everything has changed. I'm a different kind of creature now. The Bible says that we were God's enemies, dead in sin. We were feral chimps, full of parasites, biting each other, living in fear. But now we are adopted, a new kind of human being, in a forever home. How do I become adopted by God? You know, we've all been raised in the church. We kind of know the quick answer, but I still want to unpack it a little bit because it's fun to look at. Jesus is, is asked this question by Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus is sort of like he's so full of longing. Everything he's seen of Jesus has just got him so stirred up. And he comes at night and says, you know, I, I know you're from God. What, what, what? He doesn't even know how to ask the question. And Jesus starts talking to Nicodemus about the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God? Well, the Spirit is God's personality, the power of God's goodness and light, the energy and wisdom and power that filled Jesus and made him the kind of person that you would look at and go, what? What? That's God's Spirit. God enables human beings through his Spirit to live eternal life. That is, living God's way in God's kingdom today. We are born spiritually by God's spirit. And until that happens, we ain't living the spiritual life. Let's look at John 3, verses 3 through 6. This is the the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And here's how Jesus explains this. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? How can somebody be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. She'd never stand for it. (laughs) Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit, because the flesh gives birth to flesh. Chimps give birth to chimps. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. If you want to be in the kingdom of God, you've got to have spirit. You've got to have God's spirit. It's the only way you can live a spiritual life is to become a spiritual being. You don't get born over again. You get born again. It's way cool. He's going to talk about this some more. Let's look at John 1, verses 11 and 13. This is John talking about Jesus. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This is starting to really get exciting. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 16. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him you cried, Daddy, Father. 
the Spirit himself testifies with your spirit that you are God's children. This is good news, folks. So how do we get God to adopt us by his Spirit? Well, there's probably 20 hoops to jump through if we know anything about life. So Luke 11, Jesus says, here's how you get God's Spirit. And he's talking to a bunch of people who are standing around, and he says, If you then, even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is pure love, how much more will he give you his spirit if you ask him? It's just that simple. Want to be adopted by God? Ask. It ain't fair. It ain't right, but it is good news. Good news. We are being parented by God. God is our father and our mother. Did you know the word El Shaddai, one of the names of God? El Shaddai, it means the many-breasted God. God's our mother as well as our father. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. God's our mother as well as our father. Psalm 139, which we all know and love, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed body. All the days that were ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So we're going to look at how God parents us, how God mothers us, how God fathers us. Good parents model the behavior that they want to see in their children. That's a big chunk of what Jesus did, showed us how to walk the walk. Here's how you do it. Good parents throw away the report card. Are you trying? Good enough. A good parent connects with their child, talks to their child, listens to their child, understands their child's heart. God is all of these things way more than we've ever experienced from a person of flesh and bone. And a good parent teaches their child how to live life well. Jesus talks about this as having eternal life, how to live the eternal kind of life starting now and going on forever. That kind of life. We are being parented by God. That means we're being disciplined by God. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Psalm 145, verse 8 says, God is slow to anger and rich in love. So, chill. Okay? We're being disciplined by God, but discipline is not the same as condemnation. It's not. God disciplines his children. He does not condemn them. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. There's none. Condemnation is what happens to a building when you're going to knock it down. Okay? Discipline is what happens to human beings when they need to be corrected. Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6 says this, 
Have you completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you the way a father addresses his child? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as his child. We think about in the Old Testament, the Israelites were constantly disobeying God. Not because they're Israelites, they're Israelites are just like everybody else, only more so, okay? They were an object lesson. And how did God respond to that? He's patient with them. He sent his prophets continually to explain to them, this is the way you need to go. Not that, this. He warned them many, many, many times. And when they still wouldn't obey, those of them that wouldn't obey, he had to chasten them and bring plagues and enemies onto them to kind of chase them into the corner and cause them to call out and turn around because he loved them. And in his love, he could not allow them to continue doing things that will destroy them. Anything that causes us to turn away from the law of love will destroy us in the end. And God will hunt us down until he can get us to turn around and say, okay, you're right. I'm sick of not loving. Show me. One way that, well, some ways that we can know that we maybe possibly are being chastened by God is those times when you just kind of have guilty feelings hanging over your head. I'm not doing something right. I've gone off somehow. Sometimes guilty feelings can just be an attack from the enemy, but sometimes they're a message from God. You know, sometimes there's, there's a, like spiritual distance that we feel from God, you know? And I know I'm speaking for every last one of your pastors. There are times when we go, Sunday again? <laughs> Come on, God, really? There are times when you kind of just want to, you know, God, leave me alone, will you? That's a sign that maybe we're in a place where God is chastening us when our relationships become sick and destructive. Sometimes that can be part of it. Not always, but it can be. Sometimes we're just facing the negative consequences of having sinned. I pick a fight with a cop and, oops, shouldn't have done that. (laughs) You know, sometimes there's consequences that we just have to look at and say, how did I wind up here? Um, I was just listening with some friends to a, uh, the testimony of John Wimber, who was the person who started the Vineyard Church. And he was describing one time when he was in one of those places where he just, everything, he was pastoring this huge church. But everything just sucked, you know? It just, he just, ugh. And he said there's one prayer that he has discovered that God will answer immediately. It's when he goes, oh God, what is wrong with me? And he said, and God will immediately start, you know, well, you know, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's, let's look through these things here, okay? That is one of the prayers that God will answer quickly because you only ask it when you're ready to hear the answer. Right? right? We've all been there. Okay, so we're being disciplined by God because he's our parent. God is our parent. We're also being taught by God. 
Discipline actually has to do with training and growth more than it has to do with correction. The word discipline is actually part of the same root as the word disciple. A disciple is one who is learning, following a teacher, learning a skill, getting good at something. What are we getting good at by following Jesus? Life. Living eternal life now. That kind of life. Being children of God instead of just chimps with clothes on. Discipline is growing to be like Jesus. And really, what father doesn't want to see their children grow up to take over the family business? Huh? God has got to be thrilled with any of our efforts to be like Jesus because he's got a family business and he wants us to, to run it, to help him. Discipline is every aspect of learning and maturing that doesn't just happen by instinct. You know, when chickens hatch in my yard, they already know how to peck and run and follow their mother and drink water and squawk and poop and stuff that chickens are supposed to do. There's not a whole lot of learning involved. Humans, there's a whole lot more learning involved in being a chimp with clothes on. But when it comes to living the eternal life in the spirit as God's child, there's a whole different kind of learning. So God, as our parent, is guiding us, his children, into everything that we need to know to be ordered to live that eternal life. Isaiah chapter 54, 13 says, All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Just breathe that in for a second. Sometimes, when we're facing a trial in life, and we've said, you know, God, what's wrong with me? And it turns out it's not really something that we're being disciplined for. It's just this trial that we're facing in life. We tend to think anyway that God is on our case about something, that there's some lesson that I'm supposed to learn, and if I could just get it right, he would let up on me. But it's not a trick question. It's not. You know, we can ask God any time, is this sucky situation that I'm in, is this something that you're trying to discipline me about? Or is it just a sucky situation? And God will make it pretty clear to you you know, you're doing all right. It's okay. This is just hard. Lean on me. I know what you're going through. This is just part of becoming strong and developing stamina and courage and compassion. Hang with me. You'll be all right. There's no discipline involved. Just the boot camp of this life. The fact that we're growing doesn't mean the trial is going to change or be over. If your trial is having really, really, really difficult family members, they're probably not going to change anytime soon. And by walking with God in his spirit through that situation, you will become more like Jesus. God uses all things to make us like Jesus. We know that verse. God uses all things to good for those who are called according to his purpose. And what's his purpose? Growing up to be like Jesus. So whatever it is you're in, God's using it to help you be like Jesus. Lean on him, follow him, 
learn from him. God is parenting us. God created us. God's disciplining us. God's teaching us. And God's also providing for us as, his, as our parent. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 says, The pagans run after all those things, food and water and cars and houses and stuff. Jesus says, Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek to walk in his kingdom first, and God will give you what you need to do that. Maybe not what you think you need to do that, but what you actually need. What you've got is what you need. Being children of God means that we always have access to come before God's throne. Anytime, any place, any way, no matter what sort of shape we're in, we are children in the household of God and we can always come before his mercy seat. We have the promise that we can receive his mercy and find his grace to meet our needs, whatever they are, whenever they are. The child of God is always confident that God will provide good gifts because we ask. Yeah, but... What about all those good Christians that get cancer anyway and starve to death anyway and get shot by enemies anyway? And yeah, but what about all that? God doesn't promise to make that trail go away, so what, what kind of provision does he provide then? <clears throat> what kind of story is this? Seriously. One of my favorite things, and this may be familiar to lots of you, uh, Corrie ten Boom, who was a Dutch woman who lived through the Holocaust, and she and her sister were sent to a concentration camp. The sister died. Their father was taken off, and he died. And most of the people they knew died, and it was awful and horrible and ghastly. And, and they could sort of see on the horizon, before any of this happened, they could see it coming. They knew it was going to be get bad. And Corey was a, a young person, and she was talking with her father about, you know, this is going to get bad. I'm really scared. What, you know, what, what are we supposed to do? And this is what she says. Father sat down on the edge of my narrow bed. Corey, he began to, gently, when you and I go to Amsterdam on the train, when do I give you your ticket? I sniffed a few times considering this. Well, just before we get on the train. Exactly. And our wise Father in heaven knows when we're going to need things too. Don't run out ahead of him, Corey. When the time comes that some of us will have to die, you will look into your heart and find the strength you need in time. Just in time. We have what we need from God when we need it. Don't let the future scare you. Amen? We are children of God. God is parenting us. God has an inheritance to give us. First of all, part of what we're getting right now is our spiritual inheritance. We will become like Jesus. And that's, we, we, don't, we barely know Jesus well enough to know how wonderful that is, but we are going to be finding out. We're going to be made like Jesus, our elder brother. We will become mature. 
Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. When we meet Jesus face to face, we will be like him. You persevere in growing up in God and you will get there. God will make it happen. We also have a physical inheritance, and we don't hear much about this in America, but this is true. It's in the Bible. God is going to create the world where heaven and earth come together the way they were supposed to, the way they did in Eden. And we will have physical life in that world with God, with good work to do. We're being through boot camp now so that we can serve then as light. We will reign with Jesus in a new world. It staggers the mind to even think of it. So, God is our parent. What kinds of qualities does a child of God have? What is a child of God like? In Matthew 18, verses 1 to 3, that familiar verse, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, me or John? So he called a little child to them and placed the child among them and said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will not even enter the kingdom of heaven. Now these are, you know, 20, 30-year-old guys, professionals, professional fishermen. Okay, but they, they think fairly well of themselves. They are Jesus' disciples. They are the in-group. And he's saying, you've got to become like a child or you're not even going to get there. So what kinds of qualities is Jesus thinking about that a child has that he wants his disciples